Well, how was Thanksgiving? All right, four people enjoyed it. The rest of y'all have some family drama. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll talk about that another time. How many of you that are connected in our small groups called our groups, how many of you had mixed emotions this week about meeting? Yeah, oh, nobody. Y'all are, y'all are sleepy. They're sleepy. Yeah, I, I did, you know. I mean, it's like I, you want to want to meet, but it sure was nice not to, right? Come on, right? Can you feel it? Can we be real? You know, it's kind of nice. I love being together, but it sure was nice having all those nights at home with my family. That was nice. And maybe that's why you didn't want to answer because you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to say, what, what do I say? I loved it. It's good. This is why we take breaks. This is why we don't do this every, every week throughout the year. We take a little breather in the holidays. We take, a, we take a little breather in the summertime. We do some things different. Why? Because I really want you to connect with the church outside of the church walls, not just for a semester, but, uh, gosh, for the rest of your life. Really, the idea is to connect with the body of, the, of Christ, the church, for the rest of your life. Because if you just come and you sit for an hour on Sundays, hour and 15 minutes, um, it, it, it's, it's good, but and you're not going to really experience the fullness of what God has for you until we gather outside the walls of the church. And our groups are a fantastic way to do it. Look, no pressure. The semester is coming to a close. We end uh, this semester on December 9th. So, so groups will be back in session uh, for the next couple of weeks. And then uh, the, the, when we get to December 9th, they'll, they'll all take a break. You're going to enjoy uh, Christmas. You're going to enjoy a new year. You're going to enjoy January, um, uh, having some, some freedom in your evenings to enjoy the dinner table a little more often or enjoy uh, some things with your family, and then we'll start the spring semester on February 4th, so that once we get into into February, we're going to kick off again, and we'll go into May, and then we'll take a break while kids get out of school. We'll do summer nights in the summer. See how this works, right? Uh, The idea is to leave them wanting more, right? Like, man, that was an awesome time together. Well, great. Go take a break. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And then come back and we'll do it again uh, in the springtime. And so I just want to use this opportunity to to continue to cast the vision uh, of why we meet in groups, uh, how we do them here at our church. I've been a part of some churches where you meet in a group, okay, ready, start, forever, begin. You know, and you just go. And then after a while, you're like, okay, the, the same people for a long time. Right? You know, sometimes it's awesome, sometimes it's not. Come on, right? You've been there. Uh, no? Just me? Yeah, Brad's in, Brad's in your group. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got a Brad. I, I love a, I love a Brad. Brad brings flavor. Yeah, he's like Tony Sacheray's, you know what I'm saying? Just like. Right, yeah, spice it up. Bring Bradley to the party. Um, it's, it's, Brad, I love you. Yeah. yeah, you brought it up, and I just went there. Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. Wow. Hey, for the record, I didn't, I didn't start it, right? But I sure went there. I'll go there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to continue and move along before I get in more trouble. Who else over here can I pick on on this side? I see you, Lawton's. Back there. Uh, we get to close, continue, and then close this series called Stay at the Table. Stay at the Table. Look, church, this is such an important task. 
It's an action step. Uh, it's not just this idea. It's not just this philosophy or this biblical principle. It's actually an action step, a physical step that we take. We stay at the table because, trust me, you will want to run. You want to run from the table sometimes. You don't want to have it. Look, we all just sat at the Thanksgiving table. Now, they all might have looked different at your environments, but we all gathered this week and, and we celebrated being thankful. Uh, if your home was like mine, uh, there was an abundance, wasn't there? Yeah, an overflowing of, of resources in the amount of food. Right, like, come, come on, let's just bring some more. We open up our doors. We have a lot of family and friends come in, but the only rule is you got to bring something. Come on, right? Uh, and and it's just so much food, and it's wonderful. What a great reminder that God gives us uh, that that as we enjoy a bounty of abundance that nourishes our body, that He wants to give us a life of abundance. Like more than we could ask or imagine is what the Bible says. And so it's uh, just a great opportunity for us to pause and thank God for all the gifts in our lives. Some of you are going through some extremely hard seasons, but it's in those seasons when we stay at the table of our trouble that God has prepared in the presence of our enemies where we really can start experiencing the goodness of Jesus Christ and all he has. So this month we've looked at fighting the good fight. Remember, we're going to argue, right? We're going to duke it out, whatever that relationship is, but we got to fight the good fights and lay the other things down. Remember, it's not one and done. You're like, haven't we talked about this already? Yes, we have, but we need to do it again. We need to go back because it just takes some time and some seasons. Look, we didn't get in these problems overnight. We're not going to get out of them overnight. And we've got to go back to the table. We've got to continue. Look, we're closing this series today, but it doesn't mean, whew, done with that, right? It means, no, we have to go back. It's not one and done. And then last week we talked about lingering at the table, right? Pushing back and enjoying and being there. I hope you did that this week. That was the best part. I love my, I love my plate. Thank, thank you, Lord. Is it Dixie who makes those big oval plates like this? Chinette, right? Right? Man, those things are awesome, aren't they? They're herky. They're heavy. They're loaded. That's a pretty good thing. But you know what was better? Was just sitting around at the table and talking and laughing and then moving from the table to the fire pit in the backyard and just enjoying being together. Isn't that good? Lingering together. Uh, is awesome. Well, today uh, we're closing with this idea that we need to, and we get to celebrate family. We get to celebrate family. And some of you from the onset are like, oh, you pastor, you don't know my family. And I want you to see this. Maybe you're single in the space. Maybe you don't uh, have a great relationship with your family. Family is so much more than the people who live under your roof. Yeah, yeah, that, that's family, and that's what we think about are those people that live together, maybe your extended family. But, but you know what? I look at you all, and I consider you family. Aren't we a church family? You have a work family, don't you? Your brothers and sisters at, at, at work, work families. It, families are, are anyway. Look, you get, a, you get a crossfitter. Anybody into crossfit? No? No? Imagine with me for a minute. 
uh, imagine that those people that are really into fitness and, and the CrossFit and the lifting weights, like, like don't mess with them. They're connected. They're, they're a family. They're a tribe. They, they run together. Some of you in your neighborhoods, you're, you have family, extended family in your neighborhoods. I remember living in Charleston, South Carolina and the Janikowski family, right? Man, one of them couldn't go to the store without the other calling the wives, right? Saying, hey, I'm going to the store. You need something. Look, look, not just anybody does that. Like, that's what family does. That's what family does. So I want you to see that family is for all of us today. And we get to celebrate what God is doing in family. So before we dive in, I want this statistic to grab your attention. I read this this week, and I want to read it to you today. It says, over the last 40 years, the U.S. has experienced a significant decline in Christianity, promoting a range of explanations from various sources. A, a study surveying church attended narrowed down the decline to two simple causes. Right, right here what they are. Collapsing marriage and absent fathers. And I dug deeper. I don't have the time to show it to you today. I dug deeper on, on the statistics and the history and, and the graphics of, of Christianity and our faith. And I overlaid it with some of the other things that are sensitive in our culture today. And, and you can almost track the crazy meter starting to peg when the faith meter started to go down. You see what I'm talking about? And family is so important to help our nation. I believe our country is great because we value, we valued, we value family. This concept of family, of staying at the table, of pressing through the hard times. Look, family matters. And I believe reading the scriptures, I learned that God uses family to fulfill his purpose. Not individuals. He uses individuals, but he says, what? We're not good alone. And what do we need? We need others with us. And so he gives us family because we're people of community and we work better when we're together. See, see how beautiful this is? That so many of us push it aside. First, I want you to see, Christian, you, you are his family. The Bible says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Abba, Father. Why does he use the term father? Because it's a familial word that we use to create family. Like he sees us as his children, right? He doesn't have grandchildren. We're all his children. And he relates to us this direction family. Some of your father. Some of you call him daddy, don't you? Like this intimate, why? Because daddy is more intimate than a father might be. Next, what about married Christians? You create more family. That's what we do. We make more people, make more family. Look what the scriptures say. 
It says, for you did not receive this. Oh, wrong one, sorry. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and what? Hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I underline hold fast because it hit me this week. Do you know the one thing that Satan is after beside your soul is your marriage? Because if he can separate and divide you, he knows that he's conquering against the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, and he creates this division. And what does it say? It says, hold fast to marriage. Like, what if I gave you something of value to me and I said, I want to trust you with this, hold fast to this? You'd be like, oh, that must be important because I need you to, to, to be on watch and to guard and to hold it fast. Hold, don't, come on, y'all, don't lose sight of the value of what God is asking us to hold on to. Then by having children in Genesis 1, and God blessed him. And God said unto them, be what? Fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Can you see what God is doing through joining man and woman together and creating family and making all of this stuff? If you don't have children, maybe you're sitting here going, yeah, but I don't have children. But you are a child. Like the only way to get to become an adult is to be a child first and you can understand this process and what God's doing and creating us into family. He could have made us come by any way. Could have sprinkled us into existence. Here comes another person. No, oh, he brought man and woman together in relationship by pressing and trying and it's difficult and staying at the table and duking it out and working through all these things. And in that love comes another human being, family. Think about your family. Think about your relationships. Think about how God brought you into this church family. But mind-blowing sometimes, isn't it? how we get to share this space together. What about your biological adopted or foster family? We're closing out National Orphan Month. We celebrated it, but we sing about adoption. We look at scriptures about adoption. We're going to bless people that are finding, hear me, their family at Boys and Girls Country. Like family is everywhere. What family are you connected to? And how is God wanting you to celebrate that family at your table? And so today we're going to talk about three things I, I, I think that are going to help us celebrate family. Number one is my favorite. First, we got to play. No? Oh, you're like, yeah, whatever. I expected that from a group of adults. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever, right? Come on, with the kids, if the teacher said to the kids at the school, they said, it's recess time. Y'all used to go, woohoo! Yeah, like, like you cutting in line and trying to get to the front because you wanted to go play dodgeball or something. Now it's like, hey, let's talk about play. You're like, 
at what point do we lay down the value of play? Like, I'm an adult. I don't play anymore. Oh, you, come on. You're foolish. Families need to play. It's one of my favorite things to do. We know that playing is vital for children. Come on, moms and dads. You are like all into their friends and taking them to parks and sacrificing things. What? To play with your family and to play. And then the next thing, at some point, you become an adult and you're like, we've got to be serious now. Why? I mean, we need to be serious, but why can't we play too? Look, that's why I didn't want to become a Christian. I wasn't done having fun. I was, I was wanting to play still. I was good at playing. I was really good at having fun. And I saw Christians, come on, look at y'all. We're all saying, yeah, number one play, Ooh, right? Come on, like I was, that's why I didn't want to be one because I was like, there's no fun. And then I became one and I'm like, these people are fun. We, we have fun together. We play together. Research reveals that playing is a sure way and a fun way to fuel your imagination, your creativity, your problem-solving abilities, your mental wellness, your emotional well-being. Like play does so much for us. Today, we work harder than we ever have. Satan, I think, is trying to see how many hours in a day we can separate husbands and wives and children. And if he can segregate people to their different corners and then they get home at the end of the day and they're so exhausted and fatigued, all they're going to do is argue and stay away from the table. He's winning. But if you start to play together, you start winning. Have some fun. Do some things that you enjoy to do. It can, it can be simply just goofing off with friends or your children and being silly and your daughter not rolling her eyes at you when you give the most awesome dad jokes. <laughs> like it's fun. Come on. Have you, ever, you, you seen the, the deer blind dad jokes going around? They're my favorite. They're whispering. They're stupid jokes. They're not funny when you tell them to somebody else. But man, when you watch it, it's hilarious. I'm rolling on the ground. I'm like, watch this. And they just sit there like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, come on, that's hilarious. You're supposed to laugh. These are good. It's just goofing off, right? Uh, sharing jokes with one another, throwing a Frisbee, playing fetch with a dog. Come on, we just got a new puppy and start teaching that dog to fetch and bring back. It does something in your body when you're playing. What about acting out charades with friends? You ever seen that? Stacy's got a story. Ask her about her uncle in a restaurant playing charades while they're waiting on a table. They knew how to play and it made memories and it has locked and seared in Stacy's mind. She got a crazy uncle and it's hilarious and it's fun. About going for a bike ride with your spouse or your family with no destination in mind. Just go. Come on. We put a motor on our bicycles, right? And we go, and we ride it. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go explore and go see what God has for us. There doesn't need to be any point to having fun other than just being together and enjoying yourself. What? Why? Why don't we do this anymore? 
Like play can add joy to life. It can relieve some stress. It can supercharge your learning. It can connect you with others and the world around you. Some of you love to get out into our national park. Why? Why do we think national parks are such an amazing place to go and play? Because you can see God's beauty there. It's untouched. It hasn't been urbanized. You just go and play in his natural surrounding. Do you think God created that for you? Not to go and sit there and go, well, I like the way he did these mountains over here. You know, I would have put a stream running down this way, but, you know, why are we so critical? Let's just go and enjoy and have fun together. And here, the Bible gives us examples to follow in this. Very early in Exodus, it says, And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And these people, they sat down to eat and to drink. And what does it say? And they rose up to play. We struggle to do any of that, y'all. Think about it for a minute. Rose up early the next day, offered burnt offerings. What, what do you take to the Lord? What do you sacrifice for him? What do you say, Lord, is yours? I, I had a friend on social media who made this post. He says something along the lines of, don't you think it's funny that we say the money is the root of all evil, but then you go to church and that's what they ask you for. Come on, at first, until you go, if we, if we obeyed the scriptures, the church wouldn't have to ask for it. We don't want to put in the hard work and do the burnt offerings. Aren't you glad we don't have to sacrifice animals and we're slaying necks outside before you can come in? Right? Like some of the guys would be like, barbecue, let's go. Wrong kind of fire, guys. Like we don't, we don't do that. And then it says, and people sit down to eat and drink. We run so fast now that some of us eat our meals in the car or standing up at the table. We won't, we won't do any of that. And then it talks about rising up and playing. Who got time for that? If we'd sacrifice for the Lord, if, if we give thanks for the food, which we're going to receive communion at the end of the sermon today, think about this for a moment. You went to your table with greatness and sacrifice in your heart. So, Lord, here I am, send me. Thank you for the manna that Stacy talks about this morning in prayer circle. Just enough for today. You think he'd give you some time to play? You think you'd enjoy playing? Or have you become so, so obstructed by the world that you can't even see the value in laughing and playing and being together as a family anymore? Satan's at work, y'all. But you got to balance it. I think that's where work hard, play hard comes from. Right? I'm a fan. Work hard, play hard. And I'm, and I'm a pretty square dude. 
right? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm about as square as they become, right? A little bit reserved, but I still like to have some fun. I like to do some things and have fun. And, and so, can, so can you find some balance in your life and, and see what, what is it that you have fun doing. Do that. You don't know? Try new things. Stacy mentioned a date night. Maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have kids in this church and you know a family that does have kids in this church and December 15th is parents' night out. Uh, those of you that don't have kids, maybe you invite those that do have kids. Maybe you invite them out and you do a double date night and you go bowling or you go to Top Golf, or you go to a nice dinner, you go do something together, act like adults and have some fun. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be an amazing evening? Like, what is God calling you to do? Bottom line, we stay at this table together. Like, we got to push back and we got to have some fun. We got to play together. It's okay to play together. Okay, you're going to see a trend here. Number two, stay together. You got to play, you got to stay. All right, stay together. So many things are disposable now, aren't they? My dad used to be able to fix anything. And when I say anything, I mean anything. Why? Because you used to be able to fix it with a standard tool bag, right? Now it's disposable. Something breaks on your big screen TV. What do you do with it? You throw it out, don't you? And go get another one. Uh, you, You have a thousand dollar phone. Everybody's carrying around thousand dollar phones. Something happens to this thing? What do you do? Eh. Get another one. It's a $1,000 phone. You'll, you'll go into a new payment plan. So because this one's not good enough, it's not fast enough anymore. Battery runs out too soon. And we can't fix it. We dispose of it. We've got to stay together. Look, this, this, this is what this is all about, staying at the table we're going to end. I mean, this is, this is the crux of it all. This is the center of it all. Are you staying with your family? We struggle to understand stay, I think, even as Christians. And it's one of the things that gives us a bad image to the world that doesn't understand Christianity because we're not staying loyal to the word of God, to the scriptures. We're not staying put in our stances. We don't, we don't even know what we believe anymore. We have to figure it out. We have to learn. We have to study. We have to read. It's one of the reasons I believe God has us in this series Because so many of us, even in the church, more so in the world, we want to run from conflict. We want to run. We want to run away from it. You you want to run from the problems that you face. Come on. Am I am I speaking to the choir here? Are, Are you understanding this? Like the problems you have, you're like, I don't want any of this stuff. But I, but I promise you this, if we put, if you could see all of our problems, like if they were, uh, they were evident, we could hold all of our problems and, and we took all of our problems and we threw them up here on the platform and we said, okay, go get the problems. You, you'd go right back and get your very own problems. You wouldn't grab somebody else's problems. 
You'd grab your problems. Why? Because you know how to handle your problems. You took my problems, you'd be like, oh, I don't even know what to do. At least yours, you're like, I, I got this. But what does the Bible say? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face what? Trials, many kinds. So the Bible points to staying, but the world, what we do, we run. We run away from problems. Don't like something in your neighborhood homeowners association? You complain about it on the next door app and then you move. Come on, right? Because your HOA app like mine, everybody complaining all about it. Or do you go to the table? Do you stay there? Something wrong with your job? You know what we used to do? We used to confront the problem. We'd overcome it and we'd stay there. Now we just like, I'm done with this job. I'm going to get another one. We used to have careers. Now we have jobs. We move. We're not taught to stay. We're not taught to persevere through the hard times and overcome the challenges of working together. Someone upsets you at church, what do you do? You find another one. That's why some of y'all are here. Like, let's put an end to this. Like, let's just say, okay, things are going to change in our family. And, and can we talk and stay at the table and work things out and see our differences and overcome them together? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what the scripture is calling us to do? You know what else we run from? Family. Family. You know how I know? Divorce, it's no longer a different number in the statistics for Christians. Childhood isolation is rampant because Satan has just separated us. And sometimes to the point when we finally have time to be together as a nuclear family within our homes, we don't even know what to do anymore. So we sit on couches for movie nights, but we individually stare at our phones. Just my house? Yours too? Man, we, we're better, aren't we? We've got to stay together and resist it and say, no, 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 put that stuff down. We're going to learn how to have fun together. We're going to learn how to stay together because Satan wants to pull us apart. Ephesians 4.1, as a, as a prisoner of, for the Lord, that, this is what Paul is saying, as a prisoner for the Lord, he's a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Check this out. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Look, if you're going to stay, if you're going to stay where you are, you have to have humility, gentleness, patience. You've got to bear with one another. Look, I realize there are times, and the Bible talks about it, there are times when you're like, we can't be together anymore. Like this relationship is unhealthy. It's, this, this, is not, this is not good anymore. There are times when you will leave churches because the relationships are unhealthy. 
there are times when you're like, okay, we, we got to move because the school district's not good for us, whatever the case is. Because I don't know where you are. I don't want you to be locked. Like, oh, the pastor said I have to stay. No, look, listen to see what the Lord says. But man, when it is healthy and we overcome these issues and we humble ourselves and we're gentle with our words and our actions and we're patient with each other and we bear with each other in love. Could you imagine what would happen in the families? I think, I know my opinion is biased, but I think that's one of the reasons that you enjoy Refuge Church so much. It's one of the reasons I enjoy it. We have differences, don't we? You see it. But yet, we, we're, we're, we're humble people. You're humble people. You're gentle with one another. You're trying to walk a life of faith. You're walking it out. We're being transparent. We're being vulnerable. And and God is just allowing some awesome things to happen. Look, church, we're doing good. But there's always room for improvement. Would, Would you want to stay at the table that looks that way? Gentleness, humility. You know what? I haven't thought of it that way. Keep keep explaining it. If your spouse said that to you, you might fall out, right? Try it. Try it. Haven't thought of it from your perspective. Let's try it that way. Wait, what? Gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. If you have children, come on. You got to do this, don't you? Because if you don't, you're going to push them to to the fray. The time is limited. You only get so many years. God's gifted them to you so you can prepare them for the world as an adult. How are you treating them? Look, it's not the conflict that we have problems facing. It's the unpleasant responses we get one from the other that we have the problems with. You know how I know it's not the conflict? Because most of the time you answer, well, if you would, you should have. Why didn't you say, right? You're willing to enter into the conflict. You're willing to give an opposing view. But, but the thing that gives us the problem is the response that comes. Am I right? Like it's really just that if, if the responses were biblical, Oh, we'd be willing to work it out all day long. Conflict resolution wouldn't be a problem if there was gentleness and humility and bearing with one another and staying at the table. I got your back. Keep talking. I know we're disagreeing, but let's keep talking out. We're going to find a solution. I'm so done with this. I'm done with you. Right? So we do. Instead of saying, well, okay, okay, let's keep going. It's okay. We disagree, right? And then when you have a conversation with somebody and you start working out, oh, I can see how you came to this conclusion. It's because you've, your family, when you were young and you were growing up, y'all put Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. I see now. Right? Right? Others are like, not until the day after Thanksgiving. And I'm not staying at that table. We're not talking about it anymore. Right? Come on. That's how we are sometimes. We changed our tradition after 28 years of marriage last year. We put our Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. And then we, were, we looked at each other and go, why haven't we been doing this all, all of our life? 
<laughs> Tony started in Halloween. He's like, right after Halloween, it was up to him. You know, this weekend was so relaxing for us. It's not like, are you willing to do something different? You're willing to stay at the table, stay involved, do whatever it takes. Don't be so quick to quit. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. I think we all can use some of that. I think we all can. Number three, think, ready? Obey. Play, stay, obey. Yeah, I know, they rhyme. God gave me the first two, and I was like, all right, what, what, stay, play. I can't find another one, right? I'm like, come on, Lord, I know there's something, and I woke up one morning with obey. I'm like, ah! Obey. Whoo! Eek! Playing, yes, sign me up. Staying, I think I can do that. Obey, I'm out. Some of y'all don't like even the word obey. It's like, I don't even want to do it. But yet, look, when we obey, it unlocks the freedom inside of us. Adults, stop running from God. The word obey has you so sideways. You want your kids to obey and you fight ad nauseum for your kids to obey. Meanwhile, you're disobeying the father. Well, if we started obeying, life would start aligning. True freedom is found in the shelter of the Lord. Seek obedience from him and see what happens. Lord, what do you want me to do with this problem we're facing? What is my role in this family discord? What is it that you're asking me to do? And see what happens. First John gives us a look. It says, in fact, this is love for God. Keep his commands. That's what God says. Hey, look, you love me? Keep my commands. Show me. Keep my commands. And his commands, look, are not burdensome. The Bible says... Keep my commands, and his commands, it's not a burden. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Sign me up. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Christians in the house today. Those of you that have said, I put my faith and my trust and my hope in Jesus Christ. I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Those of you in the house today, obey him. He gave us the Holy Spirit to prompt us. But will you obey him? Will you take the steps of obedience? Children, your turn. Stop pushing your parents to the side. Stop pushing them over to the side. They know you don't. There you go, parents. I got you. I got it for you, okay? Sometimes you got to hear it from somebody else, right? You think you know it all, but all it is is Satan is leveraging a rush of hormones that he's giving your body so that you can grow up. Your parents know. They know what's best. There's an intuition. Sit at the table. Stay with them. You want your life to be more enjoyable? Obey your parents. 
The Bible says, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents, if you have not had your children memorize that verse, you're welcome. Write it down, right? I give you permission. All of my kids have memorized it and forgotten it and memorized it and forgotten it and memorized it. Obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And every time I say this to my children, the Lord convicts me. How am I obeying my father? Because my children will not obey my earthly plans until I obey his heavenly plans. Obedience. As a family, we, you can aim higher. Genesis 18, 19. For I have chosen him that they may command his children and his household after him to what? Keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Keeping the way of righteousness requires and demands obedience from all of us. We all must obey. One of the ways we obey the Lord is by receiving communion. And the scriptures are clear in multiple places about the elements of communion and what the process looks like and what it's for. In a few minutes, the communion elements will be served to you. For those of you who accepted and believe in Jesus Christ, this table is for you. If you've not yet to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe some younger people in the space, some adults that aren't there yet, that's okay. Maybe you have an opportunity to receive him today and you can receive communion for the first time. If you're not a Christian, just observe this. But will you allow, will you allow the Lord to prepare your heart for communion? There's some, there's some stuff we've talked about staying at the table. There's a lot of things we're thinking about, but today will we prepare our hearts? Let's pray. Lord, today, we're grateful that we can come to the Holy Communion table. God, we don't take it lightly that we sit at the, the table of feasting this week, and today we get to come to your table. God, as we receive the elements, will you humble us? Will you reveal to us areas in which we need to obey? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then it says, do this in remembrance of me. That's what it says here on this slide. It'll say communion, do this in remembrance of me. That's right out of the scriptures. Do you see that do this is a command? It's not a recommendation. It's not a question. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said this. This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood 
of the Lord. Look, there's some actions you have to do. Let's not take this communion table flippantly or as some routine that we just do. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. You're awake, but you're asleep today. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, some introspection, now some of you have already started doing. I can see as you are thinking about your life and where you are. It says, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. There's a lot in that scripture. There's a lot to unpack. As we prepare to receive communion at the end of staying at the table, will you, will you be honest with your mind? Will you maybe jot a note what the Lord is telling you to do in obedience? To, maybe today you just need to write down, have fun with my family. Laugh a little more. Go back to the table and stay there with my children who we're having struggle with right now. Talk about those finances again, even though it's hard. Like what is the Lord convicting you to do today? Now, in a second, um, the elements will come forward. We'll have a station here and a station here. We serve communion at Refuge Church by intention. It's taking the bread, the body of Christ, and dipping it in the juice uh, as the symbol of his blood, and then you can receive the elements that way. The, if what I'd ask is you would come down the center aisle, it'll be two stations, and then you can go back this way. Now go ahead and bring the elements forward if you all want to come up and help us serve. I'm going to pray, and then you're ready. When you're ready, come forward. Lord, we are grateful today that you have prepared a table for us. We're grateful today, Lord, that uh, we get the resetting and the cleansing of communion, the body of Christ broken for us, Jesus' blood shed for us so that we can have eternal life and we can reset and repent. God, in these moments before we come, will you convict our heart of what we need to repent of, to give to you the sin in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you're ready, come forward.